Hello, I'm Jim Mallard, host of The Mallard Report. On The Mallard Report, along with my guest, we will have a conversation where we will share thoughts and opinions. For more information, my bio, past shows, social media links, and so much more, visit mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D dot com. And thanks for listening. To those of you who are watching on Facebook Live, YouTube, and other places, I apologize because I didn't unmute the intro music, so you missed all that funness. Okay, sorry. It's even right here on my pre-show note. Unmute video. Change scene so you can see me. I changed scene so you can see me. I just skipped the whole step about unmuting it. Schooloferrors.com. David Proden's new book, Dr. David Proden. David will be on the show on August 6th, and we're going to be giving away copy of his book and i've got some stuff i'm supposed to be giving away i don't know we'll figure that all august 6th um talking about school safety of him which is a critical issue at this point but we'll get to that in august more and more as we get forward but tonight my guest is very very strong and he's got a a new book out spirit speak channeling the life of jesus which i'll show the fine folks on video since they missed the intro music because you know uh, make them feel more included though okay that's all better um how you doing tonight barry doing great doing great so i know you've been channeling a number of people for when i mean that started i want to say five years ago uh actually it started about eight years ago that we uh started to realize we could talk to spirits on the other side uh began to do it with a channeling board and as we progressed, I've started to be able to hear the messages in my head. So for about the last year, we haven't even been using a channeling board. We've just been doing it verbally. But uh, spoke to a lot of different uh, spirits. This is my sixth book, uh, and five of them are based on spirit communication. So it's been quite a while. And yes, I did say Jesus. And this is probably going to be one of those shows that fall in that category of shows you're going to love. And or hate. So I don't think there's going to be much middle ground here. Even though Barry's pretty likable, the <laughs> topics we're going to talk about is going to either leave you cringing or smiling. So just for the record, just so you know. Yeah, they got to be prepared for this one. This may, <laughs> this may be one of your more controversial shows. <laughs> Trust me, I've gone down some roads that have made, <laughs> made me even wonder how far I'll go. But <laughs> so, so you've been channeling for a while now. So what made you want to channel Jesus? Let's just hit, let's hit, let's hit it hard. Well, uh, I didn't realize we would be channeling Jesus. And the first time he came in for us, it just it blew my socks off. Uh, I mean, we've been travel since we started channeling, we were blessed with having Holy Spirits coming through, like St. Augustine, uh, Thomas Aquinas. We'd had all kinds of religious folks coming through. And in the beginning, I was uh, we were working with another psychic, uh, she was a very, very re- devout Catholic, and I thought all these spirits were coming through for her. Well, when we stopped working with her, we found out they were still coming through for us, and it, it's it's been an interesting road. I wrote the conspiracy book where we channeled the spirits that were living the conspiracies, and through that book, I learned just what we were capable of and who we could reach and who we could talk to. And then all of a sudden, about a year and a half ago, things start to get really, really interesting. We have uh, Blessed Mother come through and talk to us, and all of a sudden we have Jesus comes in, and uh, it, it took me probably six months to believe it was happening. But the more it went on, and he did things to prove it, and I have 100% confidence that's indeed who I'm speaking with. I was going to say, it, it's, it seems difficult to believe. So how did you finally get convinced? or con- Yeah, convinced is the word I'm looking for. Well, the first time it ever, he ever came through, we, when, when we're channeling these spirits, you can feel energies. Uh, you learn to, to feel energies. And all of a sudden, this amazing energy comes through. And I look at Connie. She's got tears in her eyes. I've got tears in mine. And all of a sudden we realize that that's who we're speaking with. Uh, 
he started off very simply with us, uh, telling us that he had things that he wanted wanted to tell us and he wanted us to do. Uh, and I asked, uh, you know, I said, you're going to have, to, can you prove that we really are speaking with Jesus? And he said, you will be convinced. I'm going to give you the ability to heal others. And through that ability, you'll gain confidence that I'm, that I truly am, uh, that you are truly speaking my words. Uh, and he then commenced to give me a couple names of people that he wanted me to heal. And uh, I was speaking at a convention out in Salt Lake City one night. Uh, there was a woman out there, and he told me that I would heal two people at the convention. One was the woman that was in charge of it, and the second one, he didn't tell me who it was. And I'm standing there, and I'm hearing this lady talking about how she has these chronic migraines, and she's she's suffering with one that during the uh, convention. So I walked over to her, and I, I could hear my head heal her. I walked over to her, and I said, look, this is going to be strange, but do you mind if I say a prayer of healing for you? She said, no. So she let me, I put my hands on her head. He gave me this special prayer to use. I said it, and the woman hasn't had a migraine for the last two years. Uh, and, and we've done it with probably 15 other people. So it's, it's, it's very strange. But probably the, the culminating thing that left absolutely no doubt that miracles were happening around me, that we really were speaking with Jesus, last October, uh, I went into the hospital and as uh, anybody knows, I've had a quad bypass about four years ago, and I had all the, all the symptoms of a heart attack. Go in, uh, they do the chemical stress, set me up immediately to go into surgery. And they come in, and I ask what's going on. They show me the, uh, they bring a computer in, and they, they say, you have heart damage here. You're not, the oxygen is not getting to your heart. And... You know, it's very serious, and we're going to get you in just as soon as we can. So we go in, and their uh, surgeon comes in, wants to know what blood thinners, I mean, the whole thing. They're deadly serious about this. So they go in, they do the catheterization, and when I come to from it, I say, uh, okay, how many stents did we have? Uh, surgeon goes, none. I couldn't. We couldn't find any damage to your heart. All your arteries are working well. We went through everything, and we simply couldn't find anything. I said, you tell me I went through this, and I've got no stents? It's like I was disappointed, you know? <clears throat> he said, no, no. And when he went out to explain it to my wife, Connie, he was totally perplexed. He said, what we looked for just simply wasn't there. So they take me back to recovery, and I'm laying there with my eyes closed, and all of a sudden in my head I hear this voice, and it says, if I can have you heal others with my powers, I can heal you as well. He had performed a miracle and healed my heart. And uh, after that happens to you, you become a believer. Yeah, I would, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the context. Now, we've been with him so many times, and the words that he's given us, the messages, uh, the truth that he speaks to us, it's just been an amazing venture. Uh, what we do differently than anybody else is I have been putting all of my channeling sessions up on my YouTube channel. Uh, YouTube channels in my name, Barry Strom, free of charge, and you can go in and listen to where we channel with the Holy Spirits, with Jesus, with Mary, uh, St. Peter, all many of the disciples. But you can actually go in and hear where we receive these messages. So, you know, what I tell everybody, you don't have to believe me. Go in and look. You know, if you believe it, you do. If you don't, you don't. It's that simple. But we don't we don't hide anything with what, what we're doing. It, okay, so we're going to dive down one of the stride streets in the book that I picked up on. Um, it's just not Jesus. It's the, I'm holding my hands up, the circle around Jesus, so to speak, yes. in, in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to run down some, I don't want to say the cast of characters. That doesn't sound appropriate. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess it is appropriate uh, that you've referenced in the book. Yes. Well, uh, 
an important concept is universal reincarnation. The fact that the soul comes to earth, serves, goes back to heaven, gets another life plan, comes back and serves. And the soul learns and experiences, and through those learnings and experiences, your soul advances in the realms of heaven. Now, classic Christian teaching states that you come back with one life and you have one shot to get it right. Well, what we're told, and and I, I can trace past lives for people and myself, that we have actually lived many, many lifetimes. And that through those lifetimes, certain souls have have served God, and because of their service, they have advanced in the realms of heaven. There's seven realms over there, and the seventh realm is, is the realm of God. And those souls have advanced to the seventh realm, and they actually become members of the soul family of God. And their role is to return and to serve him and attempt to pass on his words. Yeah, I, I, I'm following you, just <laughs> processing, you know. This, yeah. Barry, you do well, this to me all the time. You're, you're, you're not a stranger to me to sit here with a pregnant pause, so that's good. Um, <laughs> so before we get into the deeper controversial stuff, I want to talk to um, talk to the point of how this is this this book, this particular book, and this this these reading or channelings have changed. I mean, obviously, you just told us about the the heart situation, but how has it manifested? Another word I'm not sure I'm using correctly, but we're going to go with it. Change in your life. Because where were you before on, like, Jesus and all of this other religious stuff? And then how has it evolved through this process? Well, we were spiritual. But uh, Connie and I never attended. Uh, you know, once the kids were gone, while they were young, we, we attended a Presbyterian church. And were pretty active in it and did a lot with the church. But through that, I always had doubts about a lot of things that were in the Bible. There was just stuff. You know, I have a, I've, you know, I've got a deg- I have minor statistics, civil engineering license, and a business degree. So my background does not exactly lend itself to believing things without them being proven to me. So uh, since this has all started, I mean, we don't, we, we still don't attend a church. But I have a hundred percent love of God in my heart, and I have been trying through my writings to convert people to that love. You know, when 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 Jesus walked the earth, and Jesus was God incarnate. Okay, when Jesus walks the earth, he teaches a very very simple message of love. He did not speak to the people in the parables that are in the Bible. Jesus taught to an uneducated and poor congregation. In those days, there were no schools. Only the wealthy were educated. And the people that he preached to were just simply uneducated. If he spoke to those common people in parables, they would have thrown rocks at him because there was no way they were capable of understanding it. I mean, there's scholars today that can't understand what's in the Bible. Uh, so that was, that was one of the biggest things. I've, I always just felt the Bible was just very, very difficult to understand. I mean, I, 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 there were things I couldn't comprehend, like the story of Adam and Eve. I, had, I have trouble believing that Adam lives to 900 years, conceives his third son at the age of 120, 130 years old, and populates the entire earth through interfamily relations. I mean, it's just none, none of the story made sense, especially since I also have a binary in geology and studied geologic formations and evolution, the evolution of humans. So there were just so many things in the Bible that hung me up that I just you know, never never really had an interest in pursuing studying, uh, studying the Gospels as they were presented through the organized religions that we attended. 
Well, I, I, th- I think I read it in your book. This is going to sound bad because I've, I've read this somewhere this week. So it was either in your book or something else that I was reading. But uh, what did Jesus say about churches? Because there's a, I'll be politically correct, a bunch of them out mm-hmm. there currently. But that was never part of his message. I'll, I'll agree to that. But what did he tell you? Well, what he, what he tells us is there are many ways to advance your soul in heaven. Christianity represents 25% of the people on this earth. So it is foolish of us to think that 75% of the people do not go to heaven because they're not Christians. Especially if you want to believe they only get one soul and one lot, one shot at it. I mean, so 75% of the people go to hell because they're not Christians. That makes no sense. He speaks he speaks a very, very simple message of love to us. If you show love, love will be shown will be shown in return. And that's what he spoke when he walked the earth. When, when Jesus walked the earth, he preached that if you lead a good life, show love towards others, you would join him in heaven. That's exactly what he, what he spoke. Uh, we have in the book we have a lot of quotes that I ask him. For instance, uh, I ask him what he told the disciples on that last evening on the Mount of Olives, and he gave us the simple blessing that he gave to them. Uh, I mean, he he goes through and he tells all the truth of it, and it's just so very simple. But you know, people have to understand the story of the Gospels. By the time Constantine decides he's got to, that the Christianity is growing, that it's going to endanger the Roman Empire in 325 A.D., he calls together many of the religious leaders, and they present Gospels to them. They presented over 300 Gospels to Constantine, of which he chooses 27. Uh, in my book, I actually list 300 lost Gospels. Um, in the beginning... Nobody took notes when Jesus spoke. You know, when you, when you hear the, uh, I will smite ye and all that, that's Old English. Jesus never talked in Old English. <laughs> did, anybody, did anybody speak in Old English? Can we get that on the record? The Old English, <laughs> the old English did. <laughs> but you had, to be old, you had to be old and you had to be English. <laughs> and the translations originally came into English, and that's how you, how you got that. But... Uh, his, his, the story of his life. Now, I am not attacking organized religions. I'm not attacking the Bible. I'm not attacking any, any religions whatsoever. What I am doing and what he wanted me to do was to present his life as he lived it and the truth of it. And that's what we've tried to do in this book. Now, this book is going to be the first of three volumes. This book tells the story of his life. The second volume, which I've submitted to the publisher, speaks of his messages, as well as the messages of 15 of the disciples and Holy Spirits. Well, stop. Stop. I'm stopping. I, I heard something there. You said something that caught my attention. Okay. Because C- uh, I'm familiar with 12 disciples. Well, there were actually 45 to 50 people that were close followers or disciples or apostles. It was not just the 12. There were many more that followed him whose names have been lost. Um, Their names appear in Gospels that were not included. But there were many, many very close people that followed him and that were in his group. Not only was it a group of 45 to 50 people that followed him, but in many instances, they also would have their families with them. So it was actually this large group that was traveling around and speaking to the common person. So I'll put a pen in that, and I'll let you get back to the third book in your series. No, I'm sorry, I just had to get that. because No, 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 that's fine. fine. What's, what's, what's in the third book going to be, then? The third book is going to be based on his teachings. So you'll have a book on his life, his messages, and his teachings. And it'll be those three volumes. So back to back to the <laughs> the group of fifty. We'll just put a round number on it because I like round numbers. Yeah, forty nine seems so disappointing at that point. Uh, yes. <laughs> how? I mean, 
I'm just I'm picturing okay, let's get fifty people together today, like me and you and then forty eight other people, right? Mm-hmm. We've got we've got to run a bus or two or a bus and a trailer. You know, I'm saying there's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, close. I mean, they they oh, didn't yeah. travel nearly as heavy as we do, but even us, if we traveled to tried to travel light, would still travel a hundred times more heavy than they did. Absolutely, and it was and it was a logistic nightmare for them. Now, Mary Magdalene was one of the first of the disciples. She was a real honest-to-God disciple. And Mary had, had a disease like epilepsy. Jesus sees her and cures her. And Mary joins the group. Well, Mary was from a very wealthy family. And Mary actually provides a lot of the financing that they need. They had to provide food, lodging. They would travel on foot, so they didn't have exactly have a big bus bill or a train bill. But but Mary actually provides much of the financing that's behind the the group of disciples that traveled with him. I mean, just a, a mess. Because <laughs> you mentioned food, I'm thinking, well, if you travel, let's say, 15 miles a day, I mean, you're going to be out on the road for quite a while. Oh, yeah. Well, he didn't travel over that wide an area. I mean, he was in Judea. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's like measured in hundreds of miles, not thousands. So he actually traveled in a very, a relatively concise area around the Sea of Galilee. But even at a hundred miles, ten miles a day, that's ten days across one way to the other. That's still, you know, a lot of food and a lot of. Yeah, yeah, and that was part of it. The people would give him. The residents would would help them. They would let people stay in their homes. They would give them food as they traveled. Uh, he, as he traveled, he converted many people. Some would be with him maybe a day or two. Some would be with him for three years. But those that he converted and that believed in him would help provide food and lodging for the for the group. So you mentioned Mary was one of the disciples. I'm assuming there are other women, and you know, based off the methodology of the time, there I cleaned that one up too. Yes, uh, women were were not looked down upon. Oh boy, saving controversial points here, left uh-huh. and right. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> for my own self, let alone what they did. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, am I, am I not? I'm not speaking out of school there, though. Right, saying there was others. Oh, yeah. There were actually five women that were followers of his. Mary Mary was the most well-known, and she actually becomes as trusted, basically as trusted as Peter. She's, you know, she becomes one of the top disciples. But uh, there were actually five women involved. That's interesting. Remarkable. Okay, so the other word that bought, well... As I was leaf, I have pages marked in the book, which is great. You know, I mark page, I marked several pages in the book, which is great. Not a clue why. I mean, I I can sit here and read them and figure out why, but you know, why would I mark what I was actually looking at? Um, <laughs> <laughs> save myself some embarrassment here. But what one of the words that caught my eye, and, and I'm sure that you have, uh, is karma. I'm just gonna. I guess I'll just come to that, and mm-hmm. um, that's something that I've always believed in. But there's some. Interesting points that were made. Yes, karma is extremely real. Okay, now here's going to be a big one. There's no hell where you got fire and brimstone over there. Wait, wait, wait. Have you been <laughs> in my studio tonight? Because it's awfully damn close. <laughs> <laughs> you did say it was warm there. <laughs> but maybe. <you> know. <laughs> okay, sorry again to interrupt. Go ahead. It could be a personal hell. We're good with that. <laughs> But the concept of hell is introduced by the organized religions to induce fear. Because if the people did not fear the church, they wouldn't come to them, donate to them, and rely on the church for their, for their uh, one life salvation. Now, well, I what think do you that te- also plays, I'm going to sidetrack you, but you okay. said one life salvation. Well, if, if you believe there's one life and you don't reincarnate, there's a certain urgency created then to make the, well, that, the ultimate the fork point. in the the ultimate fork in the road. 
That's the whole point. That is the whole point of organized religion. They want you to believe that you only have a single shot at it so that you make the most of it. Uh, It's not logical. I mean, for instance, what happens to a baby in the womb that is aborted in the nine months? Does that soul go to hell because it's never lived a life? Was that the only chance it ever gets? You know, there's a lot of ways to look at that. You can make a lot of arguments for reincarnation. I can make a lot of them because I can speak to spirits. (laughs) I mean, I can go out. uh, For instance, in my prior life, I fought at Gettysburg. I can go over there and actually speak to the spirits I fought with on the battlefield. And they recognize me when I get there. Uh, last, I was a Confederate captain. I took four people out with me with a ghost box, which, you know, you set the background noise up and you hear the spirits talk to you. Walked up to where I fought, had four people there, and I said, do you guys recognize me? And over the ghost box, everyone hears, yes, sir, captain. So, you know, that's a pretty good indicator, among other things. But you've had these many, many reincarnations, and... Your soul either advances from that reincarnation or it doesn't. Or if you create enough e- evil, they'll send you to the... There is a lower level in heaven. There's seven realms plus a lower level of nothingness. And the really bad guys get sent into that lower level. And they have to stay there until they realize what they did was wrong. And that you know they're not going to do it again when they come out. They're allowed to reincarnate, but they will pay for the karma they created in that bad lifetime. So karma is very real. If you do bad things onto others, bad things will be done to you. Bad things will happen. Yeah. Seven seven levels, so... Uh Sounds like we're splitting hairs at some point. Uh, it's very hard to get up to the seventh level. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, you know what I'm saying? I yeah. Mean, I, I mean, I, I, I'm good with the you know the either one or the other. I guess they're splitting hairs in there too. I'm sure at some point, if you decide if somebody's good or bad, but um, well, take you it get good sent, to the seven. You, you get you get sent to the bottom. You got to start over again with number one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a long it's a long clog. Oh boy, that's just again, Barry. Thanks. Um, well, I didn't say you were going to believe all this. You know? No, I didn't. I'm not saying I don't believe it. I'm just sitting here going, "How do you, you know, how do you decide?" It's kind of like you know when somebody asks you who's your favorite child or uh, what's your favorite guest or you know any of these favorite you know these questions that you just don't have an answer to. No. How good are you? Well, how good is good? Well, the amazing thing is, you ask how many lifetimes does it take to advance to the upper level, and the answer is millions. Millions. Mm-hmm. And that's going to bring up a subject that's really going to shake people, but uh, so I'm not going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, T. You got, you got to at least bring up, you got to tell me what you're thinking, at least. You got to shake. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if they're not shooken by now, they, well, we'll probably get to shaking them here in a minute, but. <laughs> yeah. No. No, think about this. Your soul energy was created with creation. You know, your, your energy is neither created nor destroyed, so it's been around basically forever, as we know forever. Humans only walked the earth for 250,000 years. So where do you think that soul energy was before humans walked the earth? I'm going to guess in dinosaurs, but that's just kind of a fun, lighthearted answer to that, too. I'm passing the buck. How about other planets? Now, that's going to be met with a bunch of silence out there. Life, they, I, I, as you know, I've written two books, two alien books as well, and we've channeled. I was able to channel the spirit of an alien because the aliens have the same soul energies we have. All of our souls have reincarnated on other planets prior to the time humans walked the earth. And that is where you gained your soul experience in the past. Yeah, humans are new. 250,000 years is like a blink in the eye and in, in not even that fast 
in the history of uh, the universe. So if people's minds aren't blown, I'm going to take this a whole other step further. <laughs> one, and then we'll get to the next one. We're going to take baby steps here. Okay. If, if, if human soul energy came from other planets, doing the projecting in, are we projecting it back out, and is there still new energy coming in? Like, or is this, we, are, we, are we stuck with there, what we have? You're stuck. Your soul energy, you're stuck with what you have. It's been around for billions of years and it just it moves around uh, when I when I wrote the alien books I channeled an alien and his name was Moo and he was from the far reaches of our galaxy and he told us that on, on his planet the people worshipped the same god that we worship and that on his planet God has sent his son to them 4,000 years ago. And on his planet, he was known as the wise one. On earth, he is known as Jesus. He, so every intelligent planet in our galaxy basically gets messages and worships the ideas of our one God. So I told you I was going to take this a step further. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if it's a step up or a step down. We're just going to take yeah. it as another step. Okay. Um, I'll, for the sake of this conversation, we'll say all the souls were created 200, whatever, what did you say, 250 million years ago. But obviously... Oh, for, much more than that, but... Okay, well, for the sake of this yeah. question, 250 million years ago. I'm good so, at that, yeah. So they're all level, right? They all were created at the same time. Mm -hmm. But some have cycled through... Obviously, more rapid. You were mentioning the uh, the baby that was aborted. You know, some just you know, and then there are some people that live to be a hundred. Or you know, what I'm saying. Yes. H how can you tell where somebody is in that process of how many lives they've lived? Uh, you will you will never know when you're on this side. When you go back on the other side, all we all carry a book of life with us. And it's carried in an unused portion of your brain. That's why when you do hypnosis, you can often regress to prior lives because you, you, you access some of that information. But while you are on this side, you will never know for sure. Once you go over on the other side, then all things will become clear. I'm a little disappointed right now, Barry. I was hoping you'd tell me that, you know, you can count the rings on your finger or something, you know, the little circles on your fingerprint or something and multiply by 10 or something. I can try. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll work, but I can give it a shot. <laughs> we got, we got to work on that answer. We got to get some definitive, uh -huh. really, uh, really out there answer so people will sit there and stare at their fingers for hours or days. Or <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the other thing, the, well, the next thing, well, I've been heading towards something controversial. I know this this will, if we haven't made somebody mad yet, not that we're trying to, but, um, well, maybe we are, maybe we're not. The book is an interesting read. I'll, I can promise you that. And if um, you're interested in seeing more of this context, that's good, because we're very, very briefly touching the, per the top of these things. But the one dog here I know I have, and I know this is going to stir people, is... The Merry Life of Jesus. Yes. And I, obviously, I, I don't want you to give the whole chapter away, obviously, because I want people to go pick up the book. But um, we, we've got to kind of delve into that a little bit. So what do you want to give away? Well, uh, I'll point this out to you. The Bible does not say anything about 28 years of his life. It doesn't say he was married. doesn't say he wasn't married. Now... If you were born in that time, everybody got married, pretty much, unless you had some kind of a physical problem. So, you know, why, why would you think that Jesus would get married? Well, the bottom line is he did. Uh, he was married for seven years, very happily. And we actually even channeled, and you'll see it in the book, we actually channel with his wife. His wife's name was Toba. Now, why does nobody know that he was married? Very good reason. They never told anybody because they feared that the Romans would kill his family if they found out he was married. 
So his marriage was an extremely well-kept secret. The only disciple that he ever told he was married was Peter. And Peter kept it a secret. And that is why it never, ever appears in any of the Gospels. Because it was the best-kept secret of his life. Now, in addition to him being married, he also has five children. And in the book, you'll see we go into the names and actually the family history of each of those children and talk about them. So for seven years, he leads an absolutely normal married life. Uh, He becomes friendly with John the Baptist. Uh, John's a good friend of the family. And when John baptizes Jesus, uh, begins his, that is the time that it begins his ministries and the miracles that he then does. Uh, we ask him how many miracles he actually created, and he said over 50. The Bible has like 37 in it. So he does a lot of, of things that actually aren't recorded. But he leads a perfectly normal life. Uh, when he's a teenager, he travels. But he basically stays in the area of the Mediterranean. He doesn't go to England. He doesn't go to China. But he spends a couple of years. He leaves home when he's 15, travels for two years, gets comes back, meets Toba, gets married, and leads seven wonderful years of his life. So uh, obviously you kind of hinted towards you hinted the answer out there because. Uh you did, but I, I I just want to confirm this for the sake of confirmation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the family didn't go on the uh, the road trip, so to speak. No, he was single when he went on. He was, he was a teenager, and he traveled for two years. When he comes home, he gets married. What a lie. and and as part of the plan, Toba comes from a wealthy family, so that after Jesus is crucified, the father helps take care of the family and Mary and Joseph actually move close to where the family is and helps raise the kids. Let's well, I mean that's good that they were taking I mean here we are the stars aligning correctly for this all to be played out because it it does take a certain well exponential well, amount of resources to get anywhere and do anything even well, today. Oh absolutely. But what you have to realize is this was all a plan that God made. And what he does is he sends back souls from his soul family to do this. For instance, the soul of Toba and Jesus were together on other planets prior to them being on this earth. The soul of Mary was with them, the soul of, of, of Joseph This was all a carefully laid out plan where he sends his soul family back so that he has souls that he can trust to fulfill the roles that were planned on the other side. It's it's an incredible plan that was laid out. But the truth of it becomes such a believable story, it'll amaze you when you read it. So if you're not frustrated yet... We have one more fresh. Well, we have one. We'll get. We'll, we'll say one more threshold. I'll save the other one for people to uh, pick up the book. How's that? Is that fair? Well, whatever. I'm. You know. I'm. Well, we'll talk about whatever you want. Well, there there are two ends of the spectrum that are well known: the mm-hmm. birth and the death of Jesus. Let, yes. Let's 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 talk about the birth. Okay. Um. The birth. The, the birth is fairly accurate in the Gospels. Now, we're, we're used to seeing, and we've all go to the, watch these Christmas stories, and we see the three wise men coming up to the, to the manger with their little presents. Well, that's not the way it happens. Actually, the wise men come from Persia, and there's like 50 of them in the group because it was a very dangerous time. So they, had, they would travel with, their, with protection, and they traveled in this very large group. They come in and they go to Herod first because they had to get permission to travel in Herod's territory. Herod asks them to, to tell him where the child is born. They then go and they find Jesus in Bethlehem. 
Well, by the time they find the baby Jesus, he's three months old. I was going to say, this doesn't happen overnight. No, no, this is this is the way it happens. Uh, the, he's, he's three to four months old by the time they show up. Now, when we channeled with Mary, we asked her what it was like during the birth of Jesus. And she says, we were, we were blown away when these, when these rich people show up, because we've never seen anything like it. We were just poor, you know, innocent people, folks. And all of a sudden, here's this large crowd of royalty showing up. And they, and they do bring gifts. They bring frankincense and myrrhs, as in, in the Gospels. Now, here's the beauty of the plan of the wise men. Because Mary and Joseph use those gifts to finance their trip to Egypt to flee Herod. That's how they could afford to go from Judea to Egypt. It was because of all these wonderful presents that were bought by the wise men. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still struggling with this math. We, you just went from three to fifty. We went from 12 to 50 earlier, approximately. Here we are again. 50 just sounds like a nice round number because we know, you know, I like round That's numbers. Right. It was, you know, 45, <laughs> 50. But it was, it was a large party, just, you know, suffice to say. They, they quoted it as being around 50 individuals in the party of the wise men. Now, do you, do you think, when they count that, do you think there, I mean, there was probably women and probably children of them. Do you think that got entered in this equation? I don't think so. I think it was mostly our men protecting the royalty because it was very dangerous. There were people, there were robbers everywhere, and it was very unsafe to travel in those times. So they would have brought enough, you know, of an, enough of an armed guard to protect them. So no, they were on a mission. Uh, they had been told by prophecy that the baby Jesus was born, and there was a star in the sky. And they follow the star and, and follow the prophecy, and they do find the baby Jesus in Bethlehem. It's just, I'm, I'm thinking about traveling with an entourage. I mean, either way, armed guard or just people coming with you. And on foot, doesn't matter, I'm just still... No, they were on horseback. They would have been on horseback. Well, they were mounted. Yeah. Well, okay, on horses. Yeah, they were very In the desert. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, they traveled a long way. Either either way, you're slicing. Them. I don't like walking around people at Walmart for an hour. <laughs> I mean, you see, what I'm, you see where I'm headed, Barry? Yeah. <laughs> so, you said you've been doing this. Uh, have you? Okay, so we're shifting out of the book because... Uh, that's been deep, and I want to get some lighthearted stuff in here. Um, <laughs> so, besides besides doing all, the, have you come across anybody else interesting? I don't want to say else interesting um, that has caught you by surprise recently while you were channeling. Uh, we did. We've started a new little series where we're doing interviews with famous people. Uh, we posted an interview with Tesla last week on my Facebook page or on my YouTube channel. Uh, that was very interesting. We did a nice interview with him. But on Thursday, we're going to post an interview an interview with Houdini, who has never come forward for an interview before. This is the first time he's ever spoken to anybody since he passed over. And that's a very, very interesting interview, and we'll be putting that up on Thursday. I think you missed the golden opportunity to tell me you had a shocking interview of Tesla. Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> AC or DC? <laughs> just for now, the mar- just for the marketing in the future, there, Barry. Yes, Tesla was very interesting. We talked about well uh, how he felt about Edison. They still don't get along well on the other side. He's still mad at him, but uh, it was interesting. I don't think I don't think that had ever the, changed. By the way, I think yeah. I mean. When you're mad, you're mad. Some of that stuff just never goes away. Yeah. No, you can you take negativity with you, but what you can't do is bring evil forward when you come back to reincarnate. I, evil is never created on the other side. It is it is a product of free will of humans on Earth. So they haven't reincarnated since then, or 
No, there's no rush. There's no time on the other side. Well, I, I know. There's no time, and it's timeless, <laughs> and millions, and, yeah, anyways. Um, <laughs> I, I lost t- track of time this afternoon. Lost an hour preparing for the show. Um, <laughs> anybody that you've contacted, and, and I'll, I'll be more politically correct than I was going to be. I was going to say, tell you to F off, but um, mm-hmm. have no comment or just get away, you know, go away or anything like that. Well, Houdini did not want to come through. It, it, he had to be pretty much strong-armed into doing it. He was, uh, when I first asked the guides if we could talk to him, she said, he's really strange. They didn't know whether they could get him to come through. But uh, we had a special guy go to him and ask, and he did. So this, yeah, this is going to sound like a loaded question and a half. Anybody left that you want to uh, hit up? Were you going to talk to? Yeah. Uh we did an. Uh, we have another video that we've completed uh, with Jack Kennedy. We'll be putting that up in a week or two, and we're getting ready to do an interview with Elvis. So there's a, there's a lot of really cool spirits over there to talk to. It's almost unlimited. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm, si- I'm sitting out, see, Barry. This is where I, uh, you you. You didn't lose me. I understand how both Jack Kenny and Elvis are interesting in their own, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting here going, if I had to pick, hey, yeah. chat room, pay attention because this is going to be directed at you and social media users. If you had to pick between Elvis and John F. Kennedy, who would you rather talk to? I mean, it's, this guy here has talked to both of them, but that doesn't count because, you know, that, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm just, I'm sitting here, you know, that's how my mind works. Who, who, I mean, if I had to pick one, that's, that's the key here. If you had to pick one, which one would it be? Who would you like me to interview next? Who would I like you to interview next? Yeah, oh, I'll do good. one for you. Who do you want me to do next? Good grief, Barry. Um, <laughs> talk about putting me on the spot. I'm still dumbfounded <laughs> by this Jack Kennedy Elvis thing. Um, <laughs> Give me 10 minutes. I'll get back to you. <laughs> I've got 12 minutes left in the show, and I'll think about that for 10 minutes. And get, and maybe maybe you'll say something else, and I'll just have to blurt out a name here in tw- 10 minutes. But, uh, um, I'm going to let you pick an interview just because I'm in such a good mood tonight. <laughs> just because you want to see who I'd, uh, I'd stumble upon mm-hmm. with uh, no, no reservation, no um, trying to figure it out. Um, so... I'm still Barry you just turned my mind the mush because now I, I have a list now of like five or six people and it's not going to work uh, where, okay well I'll ask the real simple question where can people get the book and where can people find you and tell them about the Facebook group and the videos and all the all the stuff to fill airtime while I sit here and think okay <laughs> all, all of my books they're available on Amazon Barnes and Noble uh, right now Amazon's out of stock at Barnes & Noble has some, so if you want one fairly quick. If you want a signed copy, you can go onto my website. It's called wordsofgodthenandnow.com. Uh, wordsofgodthenandnow.com. And that's the only place you can get a signed copy for what that's worth. My Facebook, I have a Facebook group. It's called Words of God Then and Now, just like the website. My YouTube channel is in my name, Barry Strom. And we have over 50 videos posted, and there is a lot to see on that YouTube channel. So uh, if you want to see the see where we have actually had conversations with all of these Holy Spirits, you can go in there and see it and decide for yourself. There are interviews with the Blessed Mother Mary, and there is an interview posted with Toba, the wife of Jesus. So you can actually go in and see where we talk to her for about 45 minutes and ask her questions. And she tells what it was like to be married to Jesus. Uh, that's probably pretty much of the update. I don't think we do too much more than that. Not too much more than that, but, you know, <laughs> he's, he writes books like I uh, read them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, Brady, I'm going to write a book. Okay, so I do you have... You should. You should. I should, but, you know... Should do a lot of things, and um, huh. the only problem is that book keep every time I should do something, I, that slides down the list of uh, what I should do. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this: the writing part of the book is the fun part. 
when you edit it, when you have to edit it, put all the front, the back stuff in, that is the pain in the butt. No, the pain in the butt will be the part where somebody else goes through and edit and it goes, no, this guy has no idea how English actually works on paper. Oh, <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> I, hey, you, you want to know why I could never write a book earlier than I did? Without spell check, I was doomed. There was no way I could have ever written a book. I'm a terrible speller. Yeah, somebody cast a spell. Oh, never mind. That's a bad joke. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, met, you mentioned Gettysburg. Let's talk about that for a minute because that, that's an mm-hmm. inter- it, that's an interesting place to me. That's where this oh, all start. Wonderful. That's where this all started for me, and kind of I don't want to say draws me back because I haven't been there in a couple of years. Well, Jesus, almost five. Um, but it it I don't want to say haunts me. Obviously, that's kind of cheesy. But there are nights I just lay awake and think about. The events that happened those three days in July, and then the events that immediately happened thereafter, with you know having just a a brutal scene left just left for people to literally pick up the pieces, and then oh yeah, it was a town of twenty four hundred, and there were over eight thousand killed outright. I mean, just uh, and there's so many amazing things about this battle. In three days, there were 150,000 men involved in this. There were 52,000 that were either killed, wounded, or captured. 52,000. Now, the whole event at Normandy also consisted of 150,000 men. Think about that. There were as many men at Gettysburg, this little town in Pennsylvania, to fight for three days as we're involved in the Normandy invasion. That's pretty wild. That is pretty wild. And then you, you mentioned all the casualties, but in the wounded, I'm just thinking about, you know, cause you, well, the one hospital had this, the arms up to the second, or the limbs, legs, arms. Oh, yeah. No, the, I've amputa- been in, the amputations I've, to the second story window, and you go, well, oh, somebody yeah. had to deal with that. Yeah, no, I, fo- I actually photographed that building. I've been in that house, and. I know exactly what you're talking about. The the wagon train that took the Confederate wounded out of Gettysburg was 14 miles long. 14 miles of wagons carrying the wounded just for the Confederates out of Gettysburg. And then you sit here and think about all of how do you get 14 wagons and all the, the time that it takes to get them home from Gettysburg to... Oh, and, and these guys are traveling. They're wounded. They're in this absolute pain no such thing as painkillers and they're riding bumping on these open wagons and on top of it on the 4th of july when they when lee goes into his retreat it's pouring down rain it's pouring down rain the roads are muddy it it couldn't have been any worse for those guys going out of town not that it was even it would have been great even if it was just 90 and sunny oh yeah I mean, well, it was 90 on <laughs> Sunday when they were killing each other. <laughs> and you were t- trying to tell me there was no hell earlier. I'm here to argue some more. <laughs> that was close to it. That's as close as you'll get to a living hell. I mean, there, 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 were, there were areas like the wheat field where you couldn't walk without stepping on bodies. I mean, I, my first book was called Haunting and History of the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, I published about 220 ghost pictures in it that I took myself. And some of the stories are really, really wild that happens to me on the battlefield with these ghosts. Now, you're you're from down that way, so you've probably had a chance to get to some of these other battlefields. Is Gettysburg the cream cream of the crop? That's a bad expression. But I've heard from other other people that they're not necessarily as um, active, the other ones. Antietam is every bit as active. I photographed over there a couple nights, and that's crazy. It's uh, But Antietam had the bloodiest day of the war, too, bloodiest single day. Gettysburg was the bloodiest battle, but Antietam had the bloodiest day. So you, there's a lot goes on at Antietam. And someday, maybe, I'll save the story for my book. How does that sound? That's even better. I, I had a remarkable experience at the uh, Richmond Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Years. I mean, that was a couple years ago. Still kind of, uh, yeah, there it is. That little makes me want to throw up. Okay. Uh, mm. yeah. 
as you go forward for doing this, you get more known for doing it and channeling that is, I guess, I, you can't read my mind. Or can you? Because if you can, mm. there'd be trouble. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned how it's become easier for you with, now that you can just hear, hear voices. Has, is, I mean, but does, does the switch go off now? Yes. Yeah. Actually, I can, I speak their words. Uh, when you go in and watch me on YouTube, you will see that I am speaking their words. They actually, yeah, I'm, I'm focused and the words that I'm speaking are the words of the spirits. If nobody wants to talk, I can't talk. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, they have to want to come through to do it. I, I do have good luck at requesting, like we also can channel animals. We, you know, the story of our cat returning, uh, we channeled it for a year and a half before he came back to us. He tells us, he said, I will come back as a black kitten in 13 months. And within one week of when he says, a black kitten shows up. And it's, the, it's uh, our cat reincarnated that we lost 15 years ago. So animal reincarnation, animal soul families, all very real. You just had to go throw animals in there, didn't you? Just to kind of... Animal souls are far more amazing than anyone will ever, ever believe. Uh, I mean, those, they are intelligent. They, I mean, like the first time that we ever channeled with uh, Blessed Mother Mary, my male cat, Leo, was sitting on the counter in a box watching all this. And when Mary leaves, he stands up and I, and I said, okay, Leo, what do you have to say? And what he says is, I can't believe I just saw Mary. Think about that, that that animal's, animal's soul could recognize Mother Mary. So we've got under three minutes left, which means we actually have two minutes left because I've got outro music. So Barry asked me tw- ten minutes ago who I'd like to inter- or have him interview on my behalf. Yep, I'm going to write it down. And I, I paused and said, give me ten minutes. Well, guess what? Ten minutes is here. Mm-hmm. And um, I've got an interesting name for you. Very okay. well known historically, very uh, much noted spiritualist even. So this should go pretty well. Dramatic pause. Mary mm-hmm. Todd. Mary Todd Lincoln. Okay. Obviously, the first lady, the Mister President Lincoln during the Civil mm-hmm. War. Uh, okay. Conducted seances in the White House and all this other stuff. Yes. Just. Just fascinating. Just a fascinating lady from that. I mean, put put the Civil War stuff aside. Just a fascinating lady in and amongst herself with the you know how she dealt with the loss of her children and all this other stuff. So I think that'll be interesting to see that prison. I will try to interview her for you. Somebody who you know, I I, I think she'd be willing because of what she you know was into when mm-hmm. she was alive. So. Yeah, we have done some Civil War. Uh, we did Grant. We've done multiple times with U.S. Grant. Um, he's preparing to reincarnate right now. Well, we not, soon, not, not soon enough. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> well, that's another conversation for another night. Yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah, we've done General Patton. I mean, we've done a bunch of these guys. So. All right, Barry. Well, as I look at my little clock, it's rapidly approaching the time where I have to tell you goodbye anyway. So I'm going to tell you (laughs) (laughs) goodbye. (laughs) You're being polite. I'm trying to be. I'm trying not to give you that (laughs) unceremonious hang up as I I normally do when you're on. You go, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) So, Barry, thank you. It was fantastic tonight. Okay, enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. It's always fun. And for... uh, Brian Bowden out there. Let's see. Let's go 4, 16, 32, 41, 65. Powerball is lucky number 7. The views and opinions expressed on the Mallard Report are those of the host and participants. For past shows, social media links, so much more. Visit Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. And thanks for listening.
Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.